Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. Today, I talked to Tony Pauline, the host of Believe in Draft Analysts on the Believe Podcast Network and the founder of DraftAnalyst.com. In our conversation, we talk about the draft prospects for some of Ohio State's standout stars, what he thinks that Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, and Justin Fields need to do to have their names called as early as possible when they make it to the draft, why he thinks that J.K. Dobbins will be a big get in the NFL, and other topics around the Big Ten in college football. If you aren't already, you can follow Tony on Twitter, at Tony Pauline. That's at T-O-N-Y-P-A-U-L-I-N-E. And you can read his work at DraftAnalyst.com and ProFootballNetwork.com. So, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Tony Pauline. I know looking through some of your stuff before the season, you were really high on J.K. Dobbins, and he's had a pretty good start to this year so far. Maybe not the yards per carry that maybe he even wants, but what is it about his style and his skill set that makes you think that he could be a legitimate first-round running back going into the NFL? Versatility and the completeness of his game. He's got the ability to run on the inside. He's got the speed and quickness to get around tackle. He can make defenders miss. I like his pass catching out of the backfield, and you know, as you saw in the Cincinnati game, on uh, when uh, Ohio State scored, I believe it was their fifth touchdown, he got out front and threw a crushing block for the quarterback mm-hmm. to open up and seal open the running lane. And for, for a guy like Dobbins to do that that late in the game when, you know, Ohio State, the game was already in hand, not that it was there was ever any doubt Ohio State was going to win, I just said, I think says something about him. And that's something that, I know for Ohio State fans and Ohio State coaches especially, that's something that they've really prided themselves on when it comes to uh, backs being able to block looking at someone like Ezekiel Elliott. When it comes to an NFL franchise's decision to draft a running back because those positions, those players have become a bit interchangeable at this point where you don't really see a whole lot of value in keeping somebody long term, how much does the ability to not only catch passes out of the backfield, but to be able to do things like help protect the quarterback in the backfield. How much does that actually factor in to the decisions to draft a running back? I don't think it's going to def- uh, to factor in as opposed to, say, people who don't do that. You know, it's going to hurt hmm. a back more who, who's not a good pass catcher out of the backfield. It's going to hurt a running back more who doesn't do well at blocking or doesn't show great intensities at blocking as opposed to someone who is a good blocker, someone who is a good pass catcher, you're expected to do those things. So the fact that uh, Dobbins does those things well, I don't really think it enhances his uh, draft stock. It's going to be noted in the scouting reports, but it's going to hurt somebody who doesn't do those things or doesn't you know, give the attempt or effort at doing those things as well. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, the player on Ohio State's team that I think most folks assume will be their number one pick coming off the board uh, in next spring's draft is is Chase Young. A lot of folks think that he could be the first non-quarterback taken. I know you are a little bit more suspect about Chase and maybe his body than some of the other draft analysts are. What do you think he needs to show and work on during what is assumably his final year in college before he hits the draft circuit next spring? I want to see more consistency in his overall game. You know, he's a good athlete who's a very good pass rusher. 
but I want to see uh, I want to see consistent uh, production out of him on a week in week out base, basis, not you know sort of the spotty production I, I noticed on film. I want to see a guy who can do just more and rush up the film, or even run out in space and make the tackle. He's got to stand up well against the run. You know, we don't know in the scouting community what his actual measurables are, how tall he act, how tall he <laughs> yeah. really is, what his actual weight is, what his actual forty time is. That won't come until the combine if he declares as an underclassman. So now you're kind of guessing or, or you're listening to people who, who kind of know what his height and weight and his true measurables and computer numbers are. But on film, you know, I see a guy who's very athletic, who's very fast up the field, who, who makes a lot of plays and can be a disruptive force, but I don't see a complete player yet. Uh, but, uh, but again, you know, those types of guys, those pass rushers who can come off the edge and, you know, be game changers, those are guys who will go early in the draft. Yeah, especially since he is just a third-year player and has been on a line with Nick Bosa in, in one form or another the rest of the time he's been uh, at Ohio State. So this is really his time to be the first defensive end for the Buckeyes that maybe will get double and even triple teamed, uh, as we saw a little bit on Saturday against uh, Cincinnati. So, um, And he's not, he's not just a third-year player. He's a third-year junior, which right. tells you that you know he's a little bit younger. And especially, you know, football is a game of collision. It's a game of a violent collision at times, and that physical maturity plays a lot into it. So, you know, it's not like he's a fourth-year junior where he redshirted for a year, maybe spent a year in the weight room. He was basically thrown into the fire as a true freshman. So, you know, it's a matter of just the body physically maturing as well as his game maturing. Yeah, I mean, I think as you mentioned, he's a tall guy and it, it takes a while for you know a 20 year old even a, you know maybe going to a 21 year old to be able to put on the muscle so that it balances it rounds out with someone of his height so he's not just kind of a a long lean stick figure running around the end even if he can put on the weight because you yeah. know some time guys just have high metabolisms and they struggle you know keeping on the weight uh, that's a good thing in society i would imagine but it's not a, not necessarily a good thing to be a defensive end in the NFL. So, you know, and it's not, it's a lot more than just the guy spending all kinds of time in the, uh, in the weight room, because, you know, like you said, you want to balance it out, but while you want to put on the weight, you have to make sure it's good weight and you have to make sure that you're comfortable playing at that way. Cause we've seen in the past guys who try and put on 19, 20 pounds and their bodies just can't handle it. So listen, he's a good player. He's also a young player. Uh, I, I try not, especially with underclassmen, I try not to get too excited about them. I try to leave a level of uh, of upside as far as my grades are concerned because I expect a level of improvement. He's heading the right direction. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. One last question about Chase Young and how it relates to the Boses, who are obviously his predecessors at this position in terms of draft eligibility. One of the things that a lot of Buckeye fans know about the Boses is that they kind of came in not as finished products, but players who understood the position and the technique that goes into playing. And while Chase Young comes in, as you said, an incredibly talented athlete, but maybe had a little bit more just because he didn't come from an NFL family with multiple player people in the family who played in the league, but he didn't understand necessarily the technique and, and all of the intricacies that it takes to play and at a high level. Where do you see him in terms of that, in in regards to his progression, how far does he need to go to not necessarily get on the level of the Boses, but to be able to uh, understand all that goes into playing the position at the next level? Yeah, I mean, there is a, he does have a, a large uh, a large capacity for improvement. I think the thing about him is 
He doesn't show a lot of stiffness in his game. He doesn't show a lot of lack of agility in his game. He's a mobile guy. You know, there are some guys that are good athletes. They run fast in a straight line, but they can't move laterally. I see good lateral movement skills. And I think for a guy of that or any athlete of that sort who, you know, it comes naturally, there's a good amount of flexibility and mobility, mobility in their game. It's a, it's a lot easier, you know, to learn the different techniques, to play with proper pad level, play with leverage, use your hands well. It's just a matter of repetition. And, you know, the Boses, it, it was in their bloodlines. And, and that's what scouts often look for. They look for you know, situations with the Bose where it's in the bloodlines because, you know, you're always around it. Where Chase Young, it may just take a little bit longer, uh, longer period before uh, he gets to that level. Yeah. Now, sticking with the, some of the defenders on Ohio State's team, um, if you move back, I think we're just going to completely skip over the linebackers uh, for right now because they still have a lot of work to do. But looking in the secondary, there are a number of defensive backs that could have potential NFL futures, especially maybe two fairly different players uh, at the cornerback position. The one that I think a lot of Ohio State fans are excited about is Jeff Okuda, who is just now very similar to, to Chase Young, getting an opportunity to play as a junior, as a true junior, and has shown flashes of top-level talent, but also had some growing pains in getting there and trying to live up to the expectations that Ohio State has for its defensive backs. What do you see from from him? And is he a guy, do you think, that if he has a good year, could end up being a a pick that goes in the first day or two in the NFL draft if he decides to come out early. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of what you, you just mentioned. I see a guy that's got great upside, but a guy that needs more playing experience, that needs more field time, that basically he was good when he was on the field last year, but they were so stacked at cornerback, you know, he really didn't get to see the field all that much. He's well-liked in the scouting community. They like his size. They like his ability. They like his upside potential. Uh, there are a lot of people who think that, you know, barring injury or barring some sort of situation, uh, Bradley Roby sort of like where, you know, he, he played better as a sophomore than he did as a junior, uh, they think that Akuda is going to be a, a first-round pick and could be a very early first-round pick if he continues to progress and, and really he continues to head it in the right direction and he basically – turns those flashes into consistency. Now, you know, the first two uh, opponents for Ohio State were not – is nothing you're really going to – you're going right. to look as far as the scouting, uh, scouting is concerned. Florida, Florida Atlantic and Cincinnati really didn't have any receivers to speak of. We'll see what happens when they start to get into the meat and potatoes of their schedule. Uh, but he's got a great amount of upside, and he's already well-liked in the scouting community. I got him great as a second-round pick. There are people talking about him as a, a first-round pick. I've talked to people, you know, close to him that think, yeah, he's, you know, a good year. He's definitely going to enter the NFL draft. And you know what? Ohio State has a history of putting good cornerbacks uh, into the draft. And it's a position, you know, it, it's like uh, when Penn State back in, you know, the 70s was known as linebacker U because of all the line, good linebackers they put in the NFL. You know, Ohio State uh, has that reputation for cornerbacks. Yeah, and I'm going to move over from somebody who could potentially leave after this season to somebody who absolutely cannot leave after this season. And I don't know how much you've had a chance to actually watch Justin Fields in the first two games of his Ohio state career. And obviously he's not even draft eligible until after next season. Um, but if you've had a chance to look at him in the first two games against FAU and UC, what have you seen from him that could project towards a potential NFL career, whether it's after the 2020 season or after the 2021 season? 
well, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, but again, you know, like Akuda, uh, the level of competition that he was playing against is is nothing like he's going to play against in the NFL, nothing like he's going to play against in the Big Ten at all. Right. So, you know, you you want to see uh, you want to see basically the continued progression on the field. Basically, what you want to see with a guy like that is you want to see him turn his athleticism into uh, football skills. You want to see that he's more than just a big-armed passer, that he's a, a big-armed thrower, that he can turn into a passer uh, and really you know, just be more than an athlete on the football field, rather a guy that really has a grasp of the, the quarterback position. And I think really that's what Dwayne Haskins did so well last year. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, not, not too much known about in the beginning of the year, as, except for maybe, you know, uh, one or two games during the season, he showed consistent progress on the field, stayed away from mental mistakes, turned out to be a, a mid-first-round choice. And I think Fields has that ability, you know, just as long as he, he, wanted, he shows continued progress on the field as a quarterback. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, five rushing touchdowns. I'm, sure I'm talking about accuracy with his throwing, good pass placement, good decision-making, you know, uh, proper reading of defenses and things of that sort. With the last two Heisman Trophy winners from Oklahoma now starting in the league, it, has there been a bit of a shift in terms of what NFL offenses are willing to do in terms of putting their quarterback in harm's way from a running potential? Obviously, Kyler Murray's only played one game, and the sample size is still pretty so small for Baker Mayfield, but... There was a day, a day and time when Cam Newton, the, the talk was he runs too much. We've got to make sure that he's a passing quarterback out of the pocket. Have you seen that change a little bit in terms of what franchises are looking for out of quarterbacks in terms of running? Obviously, escapability and the ability to move in the pocket has always been important. But are they a little bit more lenient and more welcoming to quarterbacks running the ball now it seemed with some of these quarterbacks who have that background getting taken high and starting right away you always want your quarterback to play from the pocket that will always be the number one priority but you know you you're not going to shy away from an rpo run pass option type of quarterback because you know you want that play action where you roll the quarterback out and he's able to throw on the move because he's a good athlete or he needs to take off and run uh, take off up the field and pick up yardage with his legs and they they said Dwayne Haskins was a bit immobile i didn't think Dwayne Haskins was a bit immobile at all i just thought he was an incredibly patient pocket passer who really looked to run with the ball last now to get to your question are there going to be more designed runs for quarterbacks, well, I think the reason you have more designed runs is because your quarterback is not accomplished as a passer. Hmm. You know, you, maybe you'll mix them in there uh, once in a while, but, you know, as we see with Josh Allen of the uh, Buffalo Bills, there are a lot of designed runs only because he's not doing the job as a passer. I, I think <laughs> where, uh, where your question is relevant with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray is more and more we see teams, you know, that are willing to take quarterbacks that are six foot tall or shorter, because there was a day and time where if you weren't six, two and a half, you know, you were not getting drafted in the, at court and you were quarterback. You were not getting drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. You were being selected in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Those days are out the window. We saw it first with Baker Mayfield. And then we saw it last year with Kyler Murray, who was under five foot 11. So it, it, it's not for everyone. Uh, but I, I think with specific uh, offensive-minded coaches, 
you know, they like the mobile quarterbacks, the run-pass option quarterbacks who can, on occasion, pick up yardage with his leg, with their legs. I don't think it's something that's going to be built into the game plan uh, on an every-down basis or an every-series basis, but I, I think it's nice to have in case you want to go there. But I, I think the bigger switch has been, you know, the more acceptance of your signal callers that are not 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two and a half. Um, moving from Ohio State to just a real quick look around the Big Ten. Obviously, Ohio State will kick off the at least for one game before they finish up their non-conference schedule, but they'll kick off their Big Ten slate this weekend against Indiana. So we haven't necessarily done a deep dive into the rest of the Big Ten teams. Off the top of your head, who are the, the two or three players that maybe aren't at the top of everyone's, you know, mind in terms of like, oh, Jonathan Taylor, of course, you know, he's a he's a great player, he'll do well in the draft. But maybe some other folks that might be that next rundown that if they have a good year could really surprise uh, a lot of fans and end up making a whole lot of money for themselves when it comes to the NFL draft next spring. I think you got to look to uh Wisconsin center Tyler Biadas, who has been a terrific player for them going on. This is his third year. There was some talk that he could enter last year's draft, but he had a hip issue, and he did the right thing and went back to college. Um, he's a guy that I think will be a first-round pick if he plays well this year. And again, you want to see the meat and potatoes of the uh, Wisconsin schedule, not the uh, you know the the, uh, uh, the cupcakes that they've been playing, the cream puffs <laughs> they've been playing early in the year. And if he's healthy, I think he's going to be a, a lot uh, selected a lot earlier uh, than people think. Uh, Josh Uche, the uh, outside linebacker, pass rushing defensive end from Michigan. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick, but I think he's a guy that can absolutely uh, impact the second day of the draft because, you know, he's sort of like a miniature version of uh, Chase Young. Uh, He's a little bit shorter than Chase Young, but he's one of those guys who's a real good athlete who can come out of a three-point stance, stand up over tackle, and gets a lot of penetration up the field and makes a lot of plays in the backfield. One last guy uh, from the state of Michigan, Joe Bocci, the uh, linebacker from Michigan State. Again, don't think he's going to be. He won't be. He won't be a first-round pick, but I think he's going to impact the second day of the draft. Really, a smart, tough linebacker makes as many plays with his head and instincts as he does with his athleticism. A three-down uh, linebacker. So I, I, I think you're looking defensive-heavy, in large part because of Ohio State. Uh, would be a dad is really the only other offensive player uh, up there that people aren't talking about that I think could impact the early portion of the draft anyway. Yeah. It, when it comes to quarterbacks in the Big Ten, do you think anyone in this 2020 draft class could be a steal for somebody looking to get a signal caller? You know, there are a lot of people, a lot of scouts out there who like Nate Stanley of Iowa. I'm a lot cooler on Stanley. He's tall. He's got a decent arm. But I just see a guy who's very erratic with his accuracy. Sometimes he's he's perfect with, with his placement of his passes. Other times he leaves wide, wide open receivers hung out to dry because he's so far off the mark. Uh, I mean, Stanley will have to see what happens with him and how he does in the postseason, specifically at a game like the Senior Bowl which I'm sure he'll be uh, invited to, and the senior ball is a kingmaker at the quarterback position. It's a similar situation with the Michigan State uh, quarterback, Brian Lewerke. You know, some scouts grade him as a potential uh, fifth-round pick. I'm a lot cooler on him. I think he's a free agent. You know, he's got decent size. He's got a decent arm, but I just don't see that zip. I don't see that wow factor, you know, as we did last year with Dwayne Haskins, which is why I, I grade him much later on. But again, like Nate Stanley, 
the work he gets a po- if he gets a postseason invitation to an event like the Senior Bowl and he does well there, that will really uh, really give him a big bounce in his draft stock. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll wrap it up here on, on on this question with you, Tony. You've obviously cover the draft side of things quite a bit, but uh, for Ohio State fans, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask what what you thought the ceiling was for the team this year. What do you expect out of this this team in terms of whether it's the Big Ten or the the college football playoff? There's a lot of difference, differences of opinions amongst prognosticators this season, so I'm just interested, as someone who looks at it from a talent evaluation standpoint, how far you think they could go with this group of players? Well, you know, they have talented players. There's no doubt about it. But when you have a change in coaches the way they did, and you go from a, a guy like Urban Meyer, who, who's won everywhere, uh, and all of a sudden you, you, you know, install a first-year coach, even though he was there, there were just so many unknowns. I, I mean, you, it's just such a wait-and-see type of situation from clock management to what happens in a tight game and, and how the players respond to them. So far, so good. But, you know, they really haven't played some right. tough competition. I mean, again, right now on my draft board, I've got uh, three potential first-rounders uh, on that uh, Ohio State depth chart. I have in total nine players that will go in either the first, second, or third round. This includes underclassmen. So there's no doubt that the talent is there. It's just a matter of you know the transition to the new coach and how the new coach does now that he's in charge of everything. As we've seen time and time again, especially in the NFL, you know, just because you're a great offensive coordinator doesn't mean you're going to be a real good head coach. And all of a sudden, when you know you're you're in charge of more than the play calling and the, and the quarterbacks and things like that, you've got to be concerned with everything. That kind of changes the the uh, conversation of things. It's just the the talents there. It's just a wait and see sort of proposition to see how the new coach does. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Hoyland in conversation. Thanks to Tony Pauline and Cam Rogers. If you are finding this podcast on the website, make sure that you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts in order to get all of the unparalleled podcast coverage this season. I promise you won't find an Ohio State podcast with as much breadth and variety of voices and perspectives anywhere else. Anyway, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. That's BWWMATT. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon, and go Bucks.